I was thinking about um, this topic this, this morning, and uh, I was thinking about when I started in, in my career as a plumber. And I became a plumber when I was 19 years old um, in the Plumbers Union in New York. And uh, I, I was going to my first job. And the first job that I ever worked was renovating the famous Apollo Theater. And I was there for a month or so, and I recognized, no, this is, this is what I want to do, um, and this is going to be great. And, and I come to work one day, um, and the foreman says, uh, here's your money. It's like, it's, it's not payday. And it's like, no, here's your money means um, you're getting laid off. And, and, and I said, I'm getting laid. Like, why? <laughs> like, what did I do? It's like, no, there's nothing you did. The job is over. You know, it's done. I said, no, but there's still more plumbing here to be done. It's like, not for you. <laughs> So it was time for me to leave, and, uh, and I remember leaving that place uh, with a lump in my throat, um, like fighting back the tears, and, uh, and wondering what was going to be next. Um, and, and a lot of times, uh, when we are wondering what's going to be next, uh, we want to hold on to what we already had but that's just not reality. That's not always the case. Today we're going to continue on our series, Beyond the Natural, and the title of this morning's sermon is Death is Defeated. One of the things uh, about life that we know is we face death. And, and, and that comes in, in many ways uh, where whether it be the death of a loved one or a thinking about uh, our own mortality and, and, and recognizing um, we're going to, to leave here. And uh, so often we try to ignore that subject like, like a bill we don't want to pay, as if, if we just don't open that envelope, uh, that, those lights won't get turned off. That's just not reality. So, so it's something that we need to talk about, something that we need to face. And, and one of the things that I liked about that last song that we sang was such a beautiful song, I've never heard it before, was fear doesn't, uh, I can't sit on God's throne. And, and one of the things about death is, is we, we may be fearful. As we think about um, when we're going to leave here, Besides us feeling the pain of those that have gone on before us, we, we also face, uh, one day I'm going to be uh, crossing over uh, that chasm and uh, to no return to, to this side. Uh, but there should be no fear for the believer. Because unlike me, not knowing what the next job was going to be and if that was going to be better or worse or if I was going to have a job at all. For the believer, God has made us promises. The, the question is, uh, do we really believe what God has said? 
If you don't mind, stand for the reading of God's word. Again, we're in John chapter 11. I'm going to be starting to read from verse 17. I'm reading out of the CSB, and it says, When Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, less than two miles away. Many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them about their brother. As soon as Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him, but Mary remained seated in the house. Then Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Yet even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Your brother will rise again, Jesus told her. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me, even if he dies, will live. Everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Father, we, we come to you. Such a, a sensitive topic. Something that, that is jarring to us because you have put eternity on the hearts of men. So when we're even presented with this topic, or something we don't like to talk about whether it's because we long to see one that has, has gone on and maybe some of those wounds are still fresh or reoccurring or we're thinking about our own mortality and the unsurety of what day that would be because some of us, as we get older, we can see that it's coming. And then, and then on the other hand, we never know what lies before us in, in the very next moments of our lives. So we ask that you would uh, do a work in our heart, that you would bring about a comfort, a trust and faith in what your word says. So when we are confronted with the question, do you believe this, that Jesus is the resurrection and the life, that we would say yes, and not only with our head, but with our heart, and we would walk and live with such a confidence because you are in control of all things. We lay this at your feet, and we thank you for what you're going to do in each one of us this day. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Lazarus, Mary, and Martha, they were all personal friends of, of Jesus, and, and the chapter starts off by saying that, that Lazarus um, was sick, um, and, and they, sent, uh, they sent a message to Jesus saying uh, that he was sick, and it also said that not only that he was sick, Jesus, the one you loved, is sick. And it says that when Jesus heard it, he said, this sickness will not end in death, but it is for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. So we see here an example that God himself is going to use something 
uh, that is so sensitive, something that could bring about so much pain, something that seems so final to be glorified. And that's not unique to this story. God will be glorified in all things. It says that um, when he said this to his disciples and and then he said to them, okay, we're going to stay here another two days, Which which is odd because it says that now Jesus loved Martha, her sister, and Lazarus. So when he heard he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place that he was, which is odd because you would think, well, you just said you loved them, so you would go. But Jesus had already said that the reason was that God would be glorified through it, that people would come to know who Jesus is through this event. And whenever we think about death, one of the reasons why it's disturbing to us is because uh, it could come at any time. Um, We know that uh, even in our own lives, it's not only uh, when you're old, um, it, it's, it can come uh, whenever. The thing is, the God who ordained the day you come into this world is the same God that ordains the day that you leave this world. So, so it's not arbitrary, it's never before it's time, it's when God says it will be. Just like on that construction site, it cannot happen until it's time. You're finished here. It, it does not matter if you're a believer or an unbeliever. It is God who is sovereign, and when we sing songs like that, it's for us to understand, no, when God says your job is done here, and you're done. And then it's time to leave. God's timing is always perfect. So I don't care if you're 6, 16, 66, or 106. When God says it's time to come home, when God says it's time to leave this earth, um, it's the perfect time for that to happen. When we think about death and, and how death even entered the world, we recognize that the devil had an agenda by bringing about temptation that led to sin, which caused death. The devil had a plan, and it says uh, that, that the thief only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said there, I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. So how do these two things work itself out at the very same time? It also says that that the devil was a murderer from the beginning. He does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he tells a lie, he speaks from his own nature because he is a liar and the father of lies. We spoke about that last week, and we see as soon as he's introduced, as soon as he comes on the scene to Adam and Eve, any time the devil is present, he comes to tempt. And 
um, when he comes to tempt, he always presents sin. And we know that sin, once it's full grown, leads to death. It says, but each person is tempted when he's drawn away and enticed by his own evil desires. So it may be the enemy that presents something, but we have to want to receive it. And when that happens, it says, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is full grown, it gives birth to death. There's no other way, nothing else sin is going to produce, but it's going to get stronger and grow up if its head is not cut off, and it will lead to death, the death of something. But it says, for us, therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. But it is only the believer who can resist the devil. You cannot resist the devil in your own strength because you, you recognize him. You don't even recognize the devil when you're not a believer. It says that us, we, we know that we are of God. And the whole world is under the sway of the evil one. So in other words, we can recognize the enemy and we have the Holy Spirit and he that's in us is stronger than he that is in this world so we can resist the devil but the world it goes to the sway of the tomb that he is putting out there we also know that the Bible says that the wages of sin is death but the gift of God is eternal life and Jesus, our Lord. One of the first things that we have to recognize and confirm in our heart and know as a truth is for the believer, death is not a punishment. Romans 8, verse 1 and 2 says, For there is no, now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus, because the law of the Spirit of life in Christ has set you free from the law of sin and death. All the penalty for our sin has been paid for at the cross. So when we are speaking about death, it is not punishment for the believer. Well, well the, question, the, the question becomes, well, Christians still die. So if it's not punishment for us, um, what is that all about? But what we have to realize is, is death is the final outcome for a fallen world. And we still live in a fallen world. But we have God's salvation. What, is, what does that mean? How is that actualized? Well, in God's wisdom, he decided not to give you all the benefits that salvation is going to bring about all at once. So, so in other words, there are still things in the redemptive work of Christ that we have not fully been partakers of, but they are coming. Because evil still exists but but it won't always um, there will be a new heaven 
and a new earth. But it's not here right now. We still live in a fallen world. So all the different benefits of our salvation um, are not yet being experienced. But the last bit of residue is, is death. And it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, starting at verse 24, then comes the end when he hands over the kingdom to God, the Father, when he abolishes all the rule and all authority and power. For he must reign until he puts all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be abolished is death. There is going to be a time where we no longer experience death. But in the meantime, God uses the experience of death to do many things in the believer's life. One of the things that he uses death for, he uses it in our sanctification process. He already said in his word, that we know that all things work together for good for those who love God, who are called according to his purposes. All things means all things. All things mean pain. All things mean suffering. All things even mean death. Many times we learn obedience through these very same things that we're speaking about. Another thing that death does, it completes our union with Christ. Romans 8, 16 and 17 said, The Spirit himself testifies together with our spirit that we are God's children, and if God's and if children also heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, so that we may also be glorified with him. For I consider that the suffering of this present time are not worthy, not worth comparing with the glory that is going to be revealed to us. So, as Christ was glorified, when he was here, he suffered. Us, being his brother, us being co-heirs, us being God's children, God allows us to suffer and we will be glorified with him. That is something that we have to embrace. embrace. That is something that we have to own. These are things that we have to know. We don't go through these circumstances and all of these situations just to go through them. The Bible says there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God. And it goes through a list. And one of those things on a list is not even death. Another thing that death does in the believer's life, it helps us to recognize our priorities. Our obedience to God is more important 
than us preserving our own lives. One of the things that we have to recognize is we were bought with a price. We are not our own. We belong to God. So it is not for us to preserve our lives and believe that we can do things um, that will keep us here longer, passing away. I'm not saying don't eat right. I'm not saying not to do that. You should do crazy things. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm saying is we can't live in a way where we're fearful or we think that we're going to be in control of when we leave here. No, when it's time for us to go home, we are going to go home. If we come to church every Sunday, if we live our lives for the Lord, if we say your will be done, God, not mine, that is not only as we walk out our own lives. That is with a confidence that when it's time for you to take me home, Lord, take me home. When you've chosen to take other people home that affected my life, Lord, your will be done because your will is perfect. And I have to trust that God's will is perfect. And even those feelings that are attached to it, even situations that are created by it, God is sovereign and even allows those things to happen in our lives because he uses those very things to make us look more like Christ. In Acts 21, Paul was saying goodbye to some of his friends. And it says that after we had been there for several days, a a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea And he came to us and took Paul's belt, tied his own feet and hands and said, this is what the Holy Spirit says. In this way, the Jews in Jerusalem will bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him over to the Gentiles. When we heard this, both we and the local people pleaded with him not to go to Jerusalem. Then Paul requested, replied what are you doing weeping and breaking my heart for I am ready not only to be bound but also to to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ basically what Paul is saying here is if that's what's going to happen then that's God's will. If God wants me to be in prison, then I'm going to be in prison. And when I go to prison, I'm going to do God's work. If God's saying my time here is done and it's time for me to leave here, then I'm going to embrace that because he is Lord and in control of everything. And I trust him. There is such a freedom when we come to that place where we have an assurance inside of us. No, God is in control. This same Paul, right, was in a shipwreck. And, 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 and they were throwing things overboard and all kind of stuff. And, and an angel spoke to Paul and said, yeah, this is not, you're not going to die. Everyone will be saved. This is what you have to do. And, and when they got ashore, Paul was bitten by a stake. And the natives stood there knowing it was a very poisonous stake. It was like, this dude must really be bad because if he survived that shipwreck and now he just got bit by this snake he, he was it was time for him to die and he didn't die they stood there and they waited and they're looking and he didn't get sick and they just then they thought he was a god 
No, what it was is you're not leaving here until God is done with you. That, that wasn't specific to Paul. That is for us as believers. That is for those that are not believers. God is in control. That also doesn't mean like, you know, wrap snakes around you and let them bite you and see what happens. Sometimes you got to preface these things because people will take that to, oh, okay. How should we view death? Those in Christ, what, what, what should be our thought about death? Paul again says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Now, if I live on in the flesh, this means fruitful work for me, right? It means I'm still going to be about God's business. If he didn't take me, he still has things for me to do. And I don't know which one I should choose. I am torn between the two. I long to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. When we can have such a confidence that if I'm here, he still has work for me to do. But it would be far better to be with him when he calls me home. When we, when we live like that, um, we don't live in fear. Uh, we embrace whatever the day presents and we are satisfied and find our satisfaction in each day that we live. You know, one of the things that I try not to do is like wake up on Monday morning. Oh, Monday morning, I, I got to go to work. Well, I don't work on Mondays in, anymore. This new job that I got, I, I didn't realize it. You even got to work on Sundays. But anyway, <laughs> where, you, where you are saying, it's too hot, I can't wait for it to be cold. It's too cold. I can't wait for the spring. Oh, it's Monday. I can't wait for Friday. No, we need to embrace each and every day and all that it brings, whether we're in the workplace, whether we're in church, whether we're with family, whether we're doing something special, whether we're cutting the grass. Each one of those things has a beauty um, within itself, and we need to live that way. So we should have no fear, and the believer should view death as actually life. It says in Revelation 14, verse 13, Then I heard a voice from heaven saying, Right, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord for now on. Yes, said the Spirit, so they will rest from their labors since their works follow them. We should not have any fear about leaving here. What about our loved ones? What about when people that we love, whether it's a child, a parent, a sibling, a spouse, a friend, when, when, when they leave and, and we feel such a void, what do, we, what do we do with that? Is it even right for us to mourn? Of course it is. Of course it is. 
We just read when Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem. Many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them about their brother. And even in that, they said, Jesus, you you could do anything. Even Jesus himself wept, knowing that he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead. So we, we mourn and we suffer the loss and the void of that and we miss them and all of those things are right and natural for us to do. But the scripture says, we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, concerning those who are asleep so that you will not grieve like the rest who have no hope. We don't grieve the same way the world grieves. Because we have a hope in heaven, because we know who our God is, because he is God and in control of everything, we don't mourn like the world, we don't mourn like it's over, this is it, it's finished. It says, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again in the same way through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. It also says that we are, we are always confident and know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. In fact, we are confident and we would prefer to be always, to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. As we are in this body, we're away from the Lord. Once we leave this body, We are in his presence. And and the place that he calls it is home. This this, this is not your home. This is, you're a sojourner here. You're passing through. This is where you are from now. Don't get too comfortable. Frankie, Deacon Frankie just read a scripture about us storing up our treasures in heaven. Well, we're going to store up our treasures in heaven and never want to go there? So if we're going to focus our lives on not storing up our treasures on earth, knowing that this is not our permanent home, and we're going to store up our treasures in heaven and have a stockpile there and then say, well, I'll just like stay here because I'm not really sure if it's going to be there, then how are we living? What are, we, what are we thinking about? We, we, we have to have a confidence. If we are living every day for Christ, then we have, the, have to have the confidence. This is our life. It's in him. And when we leave here, we're going to be with him. And whatever we went through here, it can't even compare to what's going to be there. Our minds can't even comprehend the things that God has in store for us. But then we also have to, um, to face the fact that 
There are people that we love and people that we know that we're not sure where they're going to end up in eternity because they leave here too. And that's something that motivates us as we're living here to do many things, right? To be an example and a witness so that when they see us, that they see, no, God is real and alive. I see him working in that person's life. It it, it prompts us to continually pray for them. It puts us in a position to want to be used as an instrument for God. His mouthpiece, his hands, his feet, and and most of us participate in that. But one of the things that we have to have solidified in our minds is we have this um, checklist of what we believe a person would look like that's saved. And... Um, some of that stuff is, is from the word of God. We, we need to be able to see the fruit in people's lives. But that's not always the best indicator. First off, sometimes a fruit looks really good on the inside, and then you open it up and it's spoiled. So everything is not what it seems. On the other hand, there are people that have all kind of struggles that they may not even fully work through on this side of eternity. We want to classify which struggles are acceptable or not. You know, like our struggles are acceptable, right? Like whatever I'm going through, like God understands that. But that person over there and the struggles that they have, no, that's a whole nother matter. We're good at things like that. That's not for us to do. We don't know what's going on in the depths of a person's heart. So even those that have left that we are unsure, we we still hold out the hope that they, even in their last hours, even in their last minutes, that they called on the Lord. Just like that, that thief hanging on the cross. If you weren't there and you weren't privy to that conversation, but you knew who he was, you'd be like, boy, that guy's got a whole lot of uh, heat coming to him. But it says, then one of the criminals hanging there began to yell insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other answered, rebuking him, don't you even fear God? Since you are undergoing the same punishment, we are punished justly because we're getting back what we deserve for all the things we did. That's everybody. There's none righteous, no, not one, not you, not me, none of us. We are saved by grace. We are saved by the blood of the Lamb. And it says that then he said, Jesus Remember me when you come into your kingdom? Look what God had to put him through to come to the place to repent. We're going to get to heaven and we're going to look for certain people and say, like, where are they? And they, they unfortunately may not be there. 
And then there's going to be other people that are there. And we're not going to understand how their life got them to the place to be there. Jesus said to him, once he said, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. We never know someone's final state. That's why we pray, and that's why we appeal to those that are lost. Be reconciled to God. Worship team, you can come up. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me, even if he dies. Will live. Everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? That that's the question for you, the same question that he asked her. Do you believe it? So often we just view life as whatever is in front of us. And so often, we want to just not deal with things that we don't have control over. Uh, Things that we may be afraid of. Even people that have gone on before us. One of the things that we do to try to cope with it is try to push them out of our minds. So we don't have to deal with the pain. But if we have a confidence in who God is, that God is good, that God is sovereign, that God is loving, that God is all wise, and whatever he chooses is right. It's not only right, it's perfect. When we come to that place, We can cope with those that have gone on before us, even those that we're unsure where they are, because that's not our decision to make. But we we can look and say, God is perfect. So whatever God does, it's in his perfection, because one of the things that I know about me is I'm not perfect. So I have to appeal to the one that is perfect. If, if we answer the question, do you believe this? And we really believe it. We wouldn't be walking in any kind of fear about what tomorrow is going to bring. We would embrace the fact that God is in control of everything. That I am safe and secure in his arms. That I don't have to worry about leaving here. Matter of fact, I look forward to leaving here. If God were to take me today, whatever that means for my wife, means God is doing a work in her that the way he chose to do that perfect work was by me being removed. That's when that work would be 
perfect. My children missing me is because he would be building something in them that he could not build if I was there. Because I trust God for all my provision, whatever I'm providing for them, whether it's companionship, guidance, finances, shelter, God doesn't need me to provide that. He's providing that for me. I'm not really providing that for them. He's in control. Live your life in such a way that you live each day to the fullest. If today was my last day, you know what I'd say? I can't believe all the things that you've allowed me to do, God. I can't believe how you've turned my life around. Thank you for picking me up and cleaning me. My most righteous deeds were filthy rags before I knew you, God. But you used me for the amount of time that you deemed fit in your perfection, and now I'm going home into your rest in the new season that you have for me, that I will see you clearer than ever before, that I will be with those that you've called before me, the new missions you're going to send me on. This doesn't end, it's the beginning for us and for those that went on before us. You got to know that. You have to own that because when you own that, you're going to live a different way. I want to pray. I want to pray for for the one that needs to, to repent and be saved because there is a hell. And if you're not covered by his blood, and you leave here, that's what you're going to face. I want to pray for those that have lost loved ones and still feel that void. I want to pray for those that are fearful about death. Sometimes we have medical reports or when we wake up in the morning, we could tell I'm one day closer for sure because I feel it in my bones. I want to pray for those that have unsaved loved ones and family members. Let's lay our petitions before the Lord. Father, we, we thank you. We thank you that we can walk in such a confidence knowing that you saved just like we sang earlier and we pray for that one that needs to repent, that they would come to you looking to lay it all before you and be so transparent, recognize their need for you and their imperfections and their sin in their life and warning, Lord, the blood of Jesus to cover their sins because of the price he paid on that cross, a price they cannot pay for themselves, Lord. But that you so mercifully gave them. Pray for those that have suffered loss, whether it be recently or a long time ago, but the sting is still there. 
the void is still there. I want to pray, Lord, that you would comfort them, that you would fill that void, Lord. Anyone who's been wrestling with that and even maybe angry at you, God, for taking that person, that they would settle in their heart this day that you are perfect and that this is not the end. I want to pray for those that are fearful, oh God. Thinking about themselves and their own mortality and knowing Unless you come back, they're going to leave here. That you would give them such a confidence, such a faith, that absent from the body is to be present with the Lord for those that are in Christ. That they would see you so much clearer. clearer. They'd see lost loved ones, Lord. They'd receive rest in their new marching orders, oh God. I want to pray for those that we love so dearly, Lord, that are unsaved. Because we understand the sobriety that on this side of eternity, we need to know you, Lord. Petition you on their behalf, oh God. There's only you that can change your heart. There's only you that can open an eye. It's only you that can unstop ears, Lord. Those that have been blinded by the enemy, Lord, bring them to the end of themselves, Lord. Set circumstances and situations in their life like you did at the, with the thief at the cross, Lord. Whatever it takes, we trust you that they would come into the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. We lay all of these things before you, thanking you, knowing that you hear us, Knowing that you said in your word the prayers of the righteous avail of much, O oh God. Let us walk out of here with a renewed sense of not wasting time and be busy with what you've called us to do and a confidence in the day you want to take us home the day you've chosen for others that affect our lives, Lord, and that we would be about your business every single day, knowing that when we leave here, we're truly going home and not having any attachments to this place that would keep us from wanting to be with you in your timing, when you say so, when you're ready to take us there. We thank you for what you've done in each heart, and we ask that you would continue to build that. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. And that's why we end our services being sure of this. That he who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. See you in the lodge for coffee. God bless you. See you on Wednesday.